You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it like when Tatum play a Jalen on the breakaway, a Kyrie when he make a trade, and nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth that after you play it, you got a repeat. So in depth they might do an hour about the D League. So in depth you probably should pay him, but it's a freebie. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J King locked on trying to get the 18th ring. And well wishes go to Gordon. Listen after every game is very important, Millie. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast with the Raining Jays. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, and today we have a very special episode in which I got to interview Brad Stevens, head coach of the Boston Celtics, about a more psychological approach to coaching, more specifically about the growth mindset. Now, the growth mindset is a a kind of a series of ideas or just a simple idea Uh, discovered by Stanford University psychologist Carol Dweck. And it really focuses on the power of mindset or the approach one takes to, I guess, your general life. Uh, And she argues in her book, Mindset, that you're more likely to be successful in schoolwork, in sports, in running a company, if you have the right kind of approach to thinking about your talent and your ability. And the main kind of way to break this down, this dichotomy, is to those with a fixed mindset and those with a growth mindset. Now, Dweck describes people with a fixed mindset as those who believe that abilities are fixed, so that you would have an inherent level of talent and you can kind of work to hone that talent, but no matter what, that's what your, uh, your fixed ability is. And then... The other group, the growth mindset, and this was the group that Brad Stevens uh, belongs to and kind of the mindset that he um, preaches to the Celtics, these are people who believe that abilities can be developed over time, that you can work harder at something and generally improve. Now, that's my own personal, very simplified explanation of the growth mindset. Thankfully, I think Brad Stevens does a much better job of explaining how he interprets the philosophy and how he actually applies that to his role as coach of the Boston Celtics and how he develops or uses his own personal growth mindset to develop this organizational growth mindset. Before my interview with Brad, let's take a brief moment to hear from John Corrales about our mainest man, Jason Manganiello. Hey guys, John Corrales here to talk to you about our friend Jason Manganello. Jason is a real estate agent with over 15 years experience in the real estate industry. He's part of the residential group, which has been the top selling group in all of Massachusetts at William Ravis since 2009. Uh, and you know what? Jason is a listener of the show, a Celtics fan, and he wants to help you out selling or buying your house. He thinks of the clients first and he will help you out with a very personal touch. And I know from personal experience that buying and selling a home is very difficult. And I know that Jason will help you out from beginning to end 
But the best part of what Jason does is he invests 10% of his commission to a local nonprofit designated by the clients. And on top of that, on top of you helping the community, anybody who buys or sells a house with Jason goes to a Celtics game on him. And beyond that, if you refer somebody, so if you have a friend who buys or sells a house with Jason, you also get to go to a Celtics game on him. Call him up, 617-877-5694, or email him, LockedOnJason at gmail.com. I'm going to say it again, 617-877-5694, or LockedOnJason at gmail.com. Whether you're buying or selling a house, or you refer a friend who is buying or selling a house to Jason, you will go to a Celtics game on him, and he donates 10% of his commission to a charity in the area where that house is bought or sold. So call or email Jason today. All right, without further ado, here's my interview with Brad Stevens about the growth mindset. My first question is, how did he encounter it for the first time? Well, I, I don't remember when I first read the book, but it was early on in my head coaching tenure at Butler. And um, it was, you know, I thought it was really good for being able to focus on what you can control. You know, sometimes in the, in the midst of this chaos where you play really well and you lose and everybody just sees it as a loss, yeah. Um, or you play really poorly and you win and everybody just sees it as a win I think being able to objectively step back and say how are we playing what do we need to improve on is really important and I think that being able to focus on more than the result to me is probably the greatest thing that I've taken from it and it's really helped me as a parent um, as well as a coach in fact when we moved here our kids are in an elementary school where for the first few years they don't get grades they're graded on effort, they're graded on concentration, on focus, on uh, how resilient they are, and that's what comes home to us. So there's no letter grades based on what they're achieving, it's based on how they're approaching it. And it's based solely on this book oh, really? and Carol Dweck's work. So when we moved here, it was like, yeah, that's, that's cool because that's what we've been talking about at Butler for the last few years. I guess I'm curious about how, so you read, I've read the book as well, and you, it, makes a lot of sense and it feels kind of simple but how do you take that from the idea and then translate that into actual I guess coaching principles is it meeting with your assistant coaches and talking about kind of these are the things we want to focus on um, I guess how do you translate it from I guess you, your own personal growth mindset to um, the larger team well and I think the biggest challenge of it all is when emotions get involved right so like the emotions of winning the emotions of losing the emotions of things not going your way if you're a player or a coach um, and being able to say it is only about getting better today and I think it's so hard there's a reason we always talk about this there's a reason it's called human nature because the natural instinct is for 99.9% .9 of us to you know feel sorry for ourselves when yeah. things aren't going well and feel great about ourselves when we do and both of them have potential pitfalls coming our way and I think that um, 
if we can try to stay in the moment, if we can try to understand that no matter how we're playing, it's about getting better today. If we can do that from an individual standpoint, a collective standpoint, then we've got our best chance of moving forward. And, and I also think like, and it also becomes less about comparing yourself against results or against others, and it's more about how can I be the best that I can be. How many other players do you think would be aware of the phrase growth mindset? Or are you almost like subconsciously trying to have them develop um, that? Well, we have, a, we have a word up in our weight room, Kaizen, which means continuous improvement, which is a big part of her focus, which if you read Angela Duckworth stuff with grit, same stuff. Um, we have as one of our things that we say all Celtic great teams really um, embrace was getting better every day, being growth-oriented. And I'd say that we talk about it nonstop. Would the phrase growth mindset be something that everybody would say, yeah, that's used a lot, maybe not as much as get better today? Mm-hmm. I guess the you've also talked about how in Boston you come and you play for one thing and that's the next banner. That feels like a huge goal. And how do you balance kind of the that's the one thing that you're playing for versus progress uh, every single day. It feels like yeah. there's kind of a, um, they're at hands there. You know, I think it actually makes it easier because it's not about like setting a different goal every year. You know, it's not about like, and I've always thought as a coach, if you set goals, what if you achieve them and then you stop? That means you set a ceiling instead of a goal. So our jobs aren't to set ceilings. Our job is to try to be the very best we can. We don't know what that means yet. We'll find that out later on. And in Boston, the only goal is to win a championship. And the only way for us to get there is to follow this process, is, is the way that we look at it. Hypothetically, if you win the championship, though, then the beautiful what's the next goal? Is it, where it's just... Then it's the championship the next year. And that's what, that's what I admire about the, you know, the Patriots are a great example of this, mm-hmm. right? Is, and, and I actually have talked to... Um, them quite a bit about this like there's tomorrow Mm -hmm. like we got beaten in the national championship game at Butler and tomorrow happened and we were treated like we won for three months because everybody thought it was a cool story and the reality is is that that added a different element of challenge from a human nature standpoint to our team the Patriots when they win the Super Bowl the next day they get ready for the combine and then they get ready for the draft and then the OTAs are the same and in OTAs they say we're not we're not focused on what just happened. We're focused on this year's team being the best that it can be. And there are more challenges that are coming with the fact that we just won the Super Bowl. So we have to be even better. And in controlling what we control, doing our job, whatever you want to say, however you want to say it, it really boils down to being able to stay in the moment and not focus on what just happened. So to me, like all those, all those goals of winning a Super Bowl or winning a championship are – that happens with each season, each team, but it's really about being able to just kind of stay the course. Another portion of the book is kind of embracing risk-taking or facilitating an environment in which risk-taking is an option, but then I guess going back to the Patriots, there's also do your job. So there's like in the game, someone has a defensive assignment or I don't know, how do you reconcile it with like poor shot selection or well I think there's so there's minimal fit like there's small failures and then there's like larger approach. Like, I'm just trying to figure well, out and what you like, have and you have fifteen people that are relying upon each other in basketball, you have fifty three in football. It's a team environment. So the team part of it creates an accountability and a responsibility to do your role well. 
-hmm. It may not be what you desire your role to be, but you have to embrace it and do it to the best of your ability. That doesn't mean that you can't work individually on the things you want to work on to try to grow and take your game to a different level and try things you've never done before and everything else. And maybe then you get good enough at them where it becomes part of your role. And so I think it's more, that's more focused on the individual. And, you know, I talked about it from an elementary school standpoint. Like my eight-year-old, she is the furthest afraid of failure I've ever met. I grew up afraid of failure. I grew up trying to check every box and make sure that I got good grades and everything else. Like she just loves to try things. And if it doesn't work out great, it's, you know, it's, it's just part of, part of, you think that's because you've instilled the. I don't think it has anything to do with us. <laughs> I think really? it. I think it has to do with. Well, first of all, the school has it, but mm-hmm. our twelve-year-old has adjusted to that more. Yeah. And I think it's just each person's a little bit different, but I do think being able to 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 take risks, looking at them as challenges, looking at a quote failure as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to look at it. It's hard because we're all putting pressure on ourselves to live up to standards but maybe the harder standard is to live up to beating human nature I guess when you're evaluating players um, either free agents are coming in the draft I mean you have only four players um, from last year's roster is their mindset something that you attempt to evaluate going in and how do you are you looking for the people with growth mindset already and how hard is it to kind of change those who you would think has a a fixed mindset yes when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum came in both of them were we, we sat down with both of them. We talked about what they need to improve on. We talked about what we think they could do well. And we talked to them about the fact that it's a long journey. And are you committed to the long journey? Um, you know, Jalen was somewhat um, familiar with Dweck's work and some of the books that he had read prior to. Jason was familiar with the process but hadn't necessarily, you know, maybe not hadn't read the book. Yeah. But um, both of them showed the idea of they're going to get better because they're willing to get better. And I think that you, you learn a lot more about that when things are hard. Mm-hmm. Like Jalen, it was not easy. It was up and down for him individually last year, but he never stopped working to get better. Jason has been really fortunate from the standpoint of opportunity as a young yeah. rookie, but has really taken advantage of it and navigated the ups and downs well from a mentality standpoint as well. Now, do you think there's any, like, I guess, limits to the growth mindset? It seems like it's it's somewhat general, but I don't know. Is there any ways in which you don't, it, like, it, it's just not applicable? Like, there's some ways in which, I guess I'm I going think, back to fours. Like, you fail a defensive assignment or something, you it's hard to embrace, like, you want to improve that next time, but you still might like, take it out of the game. For, I think there's somewhat of a balance of their, sometimes you need to achieve something. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there is some, like, there's some responsibility that comes with that. There's some pressure that comes with that. It's hard. Um, and, you know, I think that that is balanced. When balanced well with this attitude, you know, that's the most fun way to pursue it. Uh, one of the things mentioned in the book is in terms of developing an organizational culture is like a culture of dissent. I think the famous story was the Hewlett Packard um, creator yeah. gave some award for a guy pushing his invention that he had previously no to. Is it dissent something you value as a coach for the Boston Celtics? I think the biggest, yeah, I mean, we talk about all of all of those things. I think the biggest thing is is that everybody has to be in alignment with it's going to be a process. 
right? So like, you know, when I got here, I've had unbelievable ownership and front office management, and it's been consistent the whole time mm -hmm. I've been here. Yeah. You know, the team has changed over a bunch, but the leadership has not from that, from the ownership and front office perspective. And I've felt like they truly value this and this way of going about it. And I felt like that before I interviewed here, and I thought the fact that Doc was here for nine years spoke volumes already to that. I guess just the you, another thing is, just, and I think feel like you mentioned it before, is passion. The, the reason they've worked so well is if you find something you're passionate about, it's something you can keep doing. Um, I guess I'm just curious, one, from a player perspective, it goes along the lines of fixed mindset, but how do you identify players who are passionate and willing to get better? And then for your own perspective, where does your passion for just coaching basketball come from? Because Well, I think the biggest thing for me is I realize I love the game. This is I was born in Indiana. That's what you do. Um, and so, but now I've kind of look at it differently. I love watching the game and I love learning from every coach we're getting ready to play against, every player we're getting ready to play against. You learn so much just from watching and studying. You know, every, I feel like we have 82 final exams mm -hmm. and then we go into the playoffs if we're lucky and then we have more of those. And it's just, um, that's really fun for me from the standpoint of, um, I forgot what your other part of your question was. It's identifying like passion and yeah, yeah. people so, can so understand the growth process, so but it's not really willing to put the work in. And so that can go both ways because they have to be passionate enough to put the work in. But if they're passionate, passionate about things they can't control, then, then totally. they might get um, discouraged by the amount of work it's going to take. And I think that there's a lot of um, challenges that come with that because Again, there's a lot of people that, that um, you know, when, especially when you're a young player, you're trying to prove yourself. And you're trying to prove that you belong. You want to win. You want to be a great teammate. But that's one of the things that comes with it. You want to prove that you belong in the NBA. And so sometimes when you don't play, it's hard to have that yeah. positive attitude of it's just about getting better <coughs> because you're not seeing the result of that. And we as a staff, assistants, myself, older players, have to be able to communicate that. Uh, well, final question. Obviously, you have like a task every single night is win the basketball game, but you talk so much about process and how they play. Is there a different way you guys evaluate this? So, like, you might have lost yeah. in the Lakers game, but you guys, you felt like you guys played a little bit better. Yeah. I don't know if there's a specific metric, but is there a way? It's like we did. So how do you measure I think that? It, I think it shows itself for us in film. Mm -hmm. So we showed transition clips where we struggled against the Lakers the offensive rebounds the Lakers got that really hurt us and then we showed how much our offense felt like it improved you know because it was like we had seven clips where we way better than any of the three games we played at home the week yeah. before and so let's do these things we can control a little bit better tonight and let's keep building on this and keep building on it is exactly what the Celtics did as they marched into Golden State and lost 109-105 to Steph Curry and the Warriors. You guys shouldn't be surprised if you're paying attention at all that Brad Stevens thought it was the Celtics' best game of the year. Remember, the process is more important than the result. I want to thank Brad Stevens for taking time out of his day to answer some of my questions. I want to thank Jeff Twist of the Celtics for helping me set it up. I also want to thank my two co-hosts, John Corrales and Jay King, for bringing me on board. Uh, wouldn't be in this position to interview the coach without them. And then lastly, I want to thank you guys, the fans. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you guys have been 
incredibly supportive of the entire podcast and I just want to thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Give us a rating. Tell your friends. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks again. This has been Jam Packard with another episode of the Locked On Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.